From Relay FM, this is the Pen Addict, episode 582. Today's show is brought to you by Pen Chalet. My name is Mike Hurley. I'm joined by Brad Dowdy. Hi, Brad. What's up, Mike Hurley? How are you? I'm very good, my friend. I'm very good because, uh, well, I'm recording that we're recording this episode from the past because <laughs> uh, as this episode comes out, I will be in Memphis, Tennessee. And I think at the exact time that I'll be recording, we are doing what is on my calendar as podcast-a-thon tech setup. Mm. We have two days of rehearsals for the podcast-a-thon this year. So we have gotcha. a, like a tech setup rehearsal day. Then we have like a let's check these things work rehearsal day on Thursday. Mm-hmm. And then on Friday, this is the main thing I want you to th- everyone to take away from this episode today. Friday, September 22nd, twitch.tv slash RelayFM from 12 to 12 U.S. Eastern yeah. Time. So 12 p.m. to 12 a.m. U.S. Eastern Time. Yes, that is a 12-hour podcast-a-thon for St. Jude will be happening. We want you to be there. Can't, we're going to be doing some wild stuff. It is games galore this year. Stephen and I are going to be competing in a vast selection of games <laughs> as we accrue points to be crowned Relay FM co-founder champion at the end of it all. Uh, uh, who's the reigning champ? There this will be the, the inaugural. Oh, inaugural. This will be oh, the okay. inaugural Relay FM co-founder champion. I would say I have had greater success in our co-founder showdowns mm-hmm. in the past. Um, but this one, this one will will is is usually it's just like a memory game. But this will be testing mind, body, and soul throughout the twelve <laughs> hours. Uh, I look. If you've ever tuned into the podcast at all before, it's a good time. It's super fun, and you'll notice that like over the years, it's gotten better, like higher quality. The jump that we are taking this year in production is bananas. We have like three sets. We had a set designer. It's going to be huge. Uh, so please tune in. The fifth annual podcast at home for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, 12 to 12 US Eastern. Check what that is in your time zone, but it is a 12 hour period. So we should hit basically every time zone, should at least be able to see some of it, you know, like mm-hmm, no matter where mm-hmm. you are. So tune in to what works best for you. Uh, we will be there, Stephen and I, and we have some in studio guests. So Kathy Campbell from uh, Conduit and Roboism, Jason Snell from Upgrade and The Incomparable and Downstream on Rehair Relay FM. Uh, we're all gonna, they're going to be uh, hanging out, being adjudicators, referees, and sometimes <laughs> participants of our various games. Nice. Uh, there's, we've got so much cool stuff planned. It's all to support the work of St. Jude. Please go to stjude.org slash relay. You can find out more information there. You can also find out more about donating. Uh, please join us. Yeah, uh, just I, I've, I'll say it again at some point, but thank you to you and Steven and the entire Relay FM team. The amount of work y'all put into this is just unbelievably huge, and y'all do such a, a good job to to rate. Yeah, like it's but important. You do it's too. important to y'all. It's it important to all of us. Yeah, but like y'all are really putting yourselves out there doing this and uh, it's all for a great cause and it's just like I can't thank you enough and you and Steven for everything that you do. It is our pleasure. All right, so over at the Pen Attic, we do have the St. Jude raffle underway. We'll have a link in the show notes. You can check the main post to find out all the awesome prizes you could win uh, 
you know, from your donation to St. Jude's, all the details are in there, how to participate. You know, you make a donation to St. Jude's, you send me your receipt, you get raffle tickets. I raffle away all of the amazing stuff that you see. I can't even go through this list, Mike. It is just unbelievable. The amount of pins and stationery and fun stuff we are raffling off. Thanks to all of our wonderful supporters and friends of the show who have sent us goods to uh, help us raise money. It's just uh, fantastic. And uh, I, I look forward to the podcast-a-thon this week. All right. All right, Mike. So since you're currently in Memphis, mm-hmm. uh, as people are listening to this, we decided it is time to catch up on all of the ASTPA. And by all of the ASTPA, I mean some of it. We're going to <laughs> do some of ne- the ASTPA today, yes. <laughs> we never get to all of it. But I appreciate you so much for sending in all these questions, everyone. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's awesome. And I apologize if we don't get them to, in like a very, very timely manner. Uh, it turns out we have a lot to talk, a lot of pens to talk about every week, which is kind of astonishing at this point. But uh, it's really great stuff. I love doing this. So uh, let's go. All right writes in and says, it is new planner time. This year, I can't afford the Hobonichi, so I'm looking for something comparable-ish, but on a budget. I need a daily planner. I'm not expecting to mow river paper, of course, but any other suggestions would be great. Are there actually even budget options for a daily planner? There are. And and the one I'm going to recommend isn't like the purest budget planner there is, like just from a price perspective. But I think the Leuchtturm 1917 has so many options at like half the price of the Hobonichi. You should be able to get something pretty great, a great layout that suits your style for like in the 20 something dollar range, as opposed to like the 50 something dollar range uh, for the Hobonichi. Mm-hmm. Um, I would definitely look at Leuchtturm because the paper's good, not great. Like as you're mentioning, like it is not Tomoe River, but it is good fountain pen friendly. Yeah ish paper right like your your broad it's broad and double broad category, you know yeah you're having a good time yeah and i their layouts are some of the best right because they don't stick with one layout right they just kind of have you know they go all into all the different layouts weekly monthly mm-hmm. daily type of layout so you can find a layout you want now if you want a more roll your own option the Stalogy 365s are generally an open notebook page and they have a real faint um kind of border on the edge where you can like circle the date right so if you want to just like mostly like an a5 size or an a6 size where you have most of the page that's unformatted right and you can just put in a little mark on what the date is. I would look at the Stylogy 365s and the A6s or uh, A5 sizes. And those are also like in the $20 range. Um, anything, I, I don't know many like less expensive options or that for that that are going to meet like your stationary nerd need. So I'd be at least looking into something like the Leuchtturm uh, and what they have to offer. Because it's it's really, really broad in, in what they what they do offer. And the quality is very, very high. Uh, Lyle writes in and says, Mike, my family is visiting England in September, uh, generally staying in London with day trips around the area by train. I've heard you mention Choosing Keeping as a great stationery store. Are there others I should visit? So, yes, Choosing Keeping. You've also got the graphic design center around the corner, which is just fun for little uh, little bits and bobs. Could be some interesting stuff in there. 
Um, choosing keeping is by like number one recommendation. Uh, present and correct is one of the classics. They just moved to a new store that I haven't been to yet, but um, I want to see that. But I will include in the show notes a link to the perennial stationary shops map from Tessera All Things Stationary. Uh, this is the place to find things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a great, great map, great locator. I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, WH Smiths. Is yeah. it Smiths or Smith? Smiths. Smiths. Can you go in and like test paper? Like if you just, like if, if Lyle was just like happened to run by a, a WH Smith, maybe not made like a dedicated trip to, is would that be worth like rolling into? Let me just correct myself. We call it Smiths. Right, mm-hmm. but the the actual mm-hmm. name is W. H. Smith. Okay. But anyway, uh, I reckon probably it's not really depend on the size of the store. I wouldn't rely mm-hmm. on it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I was just curious because I know in the past we've talked about, um, you know, picking out some paper there. This is way. This is like pre Cortex brand and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just curious. Curious. Okay, just checking. Uh, Richard writes in and says, I am looking at buying a significantly expensive vintage pilot fountain pen as a retirement gift for myself, but I have not yet used a Japanese fine nib. Is there a relatively inexpensive cartridge fountain pen that would let me see if the fine Japanese nib is my jam or not? Thank you for any insight and assistance. Yeah, there's a couple of options here. So the the obvious one is the Pilot Metropolitan. Now... Let's just say that you're not going to get an inexpensive cartridge fountain pen with a gold nib, right? But mm. you can test these steel nibs, at least for the line widths. And with something like Pilot, even the vintage pens, I think their lines are, they're, they're a very consistent line width manufacturer, right? Like there, there's not, you, your expectations should be reasonably similar, whether you're having a steel or gold nib or modern or vintage, right? They're, they're always in the ballpark. I've never found anything weird as far as line widths go. So Pilot Metropolitan is your easy choice for the standard fine steel nib. They run about $15. You can check them out. It's a, a classic style fountain pen. If you want something, you know, just fun to, to play around with, the Kakuno is another option. Um, but it's a more, you know, uh, youthful, modern, silly type of fountain pen that's actually very, very high quality. Um, and then finally, the extra fine nib, I have to give out, give a shout out to the Pilot Plumix. Um, that's probably too fine for like your vintage pen. Like if it just has a Japanese fine nib, like you are, if you already know it has a Japanese fine nib, you don't need to necessarily try the Plumix. But if you want to try a Japanese steel extra fine nib, they're pretty spectacular and they're like, eight dollars something like that right it's a very it looks like a drawing pen right it's got a long barrel weird cap it's just kind of funky but the nib quality is the same as like you're going to find in the metropolitan and all of other all of pilots lower end steel nibs it's the same nib that's in the plumix but i don't think they have a fine version i think the plumix or no the no i'm sorry i'm making a mistake here the plumix only comes in the cursive italic the penmanship is the name of the pen that has the extra fine so i apologize rewind that a little bit um, so the Plumix has a curves of italic. You can skip that one. The penmanship has the extra fine nib, I believe. So my mistake. But yeah, I would probably look at the Pilot Metropolitan. That's going to be your best bet. So the Plumix would not be helpful 
in this uh, not for richard uh for me it's amazing (laughs) but no it because it only comes in a cursive italic shape so it's not going to help with that with the fine the more traditional fine nib shape so no scratch that one scratch it out don't even think about it Mm-hmm. Rebecca asks, I'm a fountain pen newbie on a limited school teacher budget. I tried a sailor recently and it was amazing. The smoothness, the weight and balance, the look. But I don't care for the look of their budget pen, the Compass 1911. Any suggestions, recommendations for buying used or an upper brand that offers something of the same appeal or a lower price point? So shout out Rebecca for dogging the Compass 1911. I hate that pen. <laughs> it is they make the Sailor makes the worst entry level pens. Right after the Pilot Praise I just gave, and uh, Platinum has amazing entry level fountain pens. I despise Sailor's entry level fountain pens. They're just not good enough for what they charge. They're not bad pens, but in a com- broader comparison of that market they don't even rate so anyway just uh shout out for, to rebecca for noticing that like really really quickly so you want a sailor but on a budget <clears throat> so uh buying used is always an option sailor has a lot of good options um the other brand that offers something of the same appeal at a lower price point is probably going to be the platinums that i mentioned before you're going to get a really, really good quality. Um, they don't they don't necessarily have the barrel shape feel, like the barrel feel of like sailors. The, Let's just a fun design too. Like if you if you yeah, you're not going to get that there either. Yeah, but like the the Procyons and the Plaziers are both pilot brands and they're range from like 20 to $50. They're aluminum barrels, it, but not plastic barrels, but the nibs are awesome yeah. and they're cool looking, right? But, but in a different way from sailor, they don't look like sailors at all, but just the feel and the quality of those pins is really, really good. That's going to get you that same type of writing feel, even though if the aesthetics are not a perfect match to that. And then after that, you're going to look, so that's like your 20 to $50 range. Then you can start going into the Pilot Custom 91, which is Pilot's low-end gold nib. That's going to be very close, but that's going to be over $100. Uh, for the 91s, but that's going to be really close to the sailors, but it probably half the price to be honest, right? So the 91 and then on up from there is the 74, which is more shaped like the sailor 1911s with the rounded ends, not the pro gears. And those are like in the 160 range. So I think that's three different levels of pins that you can at least look at. So the platinum Plazier and Procyon. They're just two different styles, two different price points in the $50 or less category. The Pilot Custom 91 is in the low 100 range, I believe. I, I haven't looked at those in a little bit while, like a little over 100 bucks, maybe 125 something like that. And that's a very similar to like the Sailor Pro Gear style and shape. And then you get into the Pilot Custom 74, which is about $160. And they get into like the colorful demonstrator styles of like the 1911. So I think that's my recommendations. And if you have like more specific questions, I'm totally open to like discussing this further. Pilot Custom 91 and 74. I like, I prefer the look of the 74 myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um the 91 I don't like so much. I think that I and I think the 74 
isn't too far away from some sailor stuff, but if you don't like the 1911, you might not like this. Yeah, because it's uh, rounded finials. Similar-ish, I think. I think mm-hmm. there's some similarities there in those yeah, Where the 91s are flat, but they're less stylish, if yep. you will. Yep, yep. <clears throat> All right, next up, we have a question from Stephen who asks, are there any good refills for the Retro 51? I've had nothing but hassle with Schmidt refills. They always stop writing in one direction for me, so my writing always looks patchy. Oh, that stinks, uh, honestly. But th- those Schmidt refills do, I know, cause problems for people like more leaking than like the writing. I've never had like a writing problem with them, but I've had some like messiness problem with them. So I know people, I, I ordered some refills, like Parker style refills can fit into the Retro 51. So if you're looking for like a good Parker style refill, you can get um, the Jetstream SXR007, I believe is it. Um, that's a fantastic refill, but it's a ballpoint, like a hybrid ballpoint ink, so it's not the rich uh, rollerball ink like in the Schmitz. But anything that's a Parker style should fit in the Retro 51s. In the past, I've used the Oto Flash Dry, which is a needle tip gel ink pen, and it fits in there perfectly. And it's a 0.5 millimeter black gel ink needle tip. That's probably one of my favorites to just kind of hot swap in there. And then I've just recently ordered some... Uh, colorful refills, I think, from Monteverde. So, like, the Parker styles, but I bought, like, a pink and a purple and a green that I haven't not tested out yet. But, you know, anything in that Parker style that you like, um, it, it should be hot swappable into the Retro 51 if you want to swap out of the Schmidt. Uh, my first recommendation would probably be the Oto Flash Dry, just because I've used that one a bunch in there, if you want a needle tip gel ink pen. So, it may not be your style. That's not for everybody, but that's a great refill. I find it so strange sometimes that like people, I, I've come into it, right? People are like, oh, this refill isn't working for me. Or like, you know, like I bought one of the Mark 1s and it's not working. And I've mm-hmm. tried it multiple times with multiple refills mm-hmm. and it's like skipping a bunch. Like, I don't know what goes on because like people mm-hmm. have consistent issues with mm-hmm. with the refills in a way that I don't. And I find it very I th- peculiar. I think it's because they're constantly exposed, right? There's never a seal on any of this stuff. And like a lot of mine stay in the house and are pretty tame. Mm. Like if you're traveling with one and it's just constantly open and changing, like, so changing, I wonder if maybe know, like there are certain pressures. conditions <clears throat> in which some people <clears throat> would use these pens, like the Red 51s yeah. and the Monk ones. And those conditions would result in the refills drying out or skipping or something. Uh, yeah. It's probably just less consistency, right? Because yeah. it's, it's more unstable, but I mean, that's just, I mean, who knows right like but that that is a choice that is a thing i know i know if you bang around these schmidt refills you know a lot like if you're carrying in your pocket you're you're liable to end up with a leak on on your pants right they're just yeah you can't be rough with them because they're not sealed off uh yeah it's interesting Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. all right next question comes from chris who says it's been a while since we heard anything from mike regarding his pen or ink usage and or purchases has he lost his pen mojo or fallen out of love <laughs> with the awesome hobby? Yes, this is the, this is my final episode of The Pen Addict. Goodbye, Brad. <laughs> uh, it's the that, end for me. That was one of our goals for St. Jude. <laughs> getting rid of me. Getting rid of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, look, here's, I, have, I have a couple of things that's going on with, like, why I buy less. Um, 
I found a new hobby, which was keyboards, and I put kind of my hobby money into keyboards. But I have also stopped that now. Like I'm, I, I, I had a couple of friends come to the studio a couple of days ago, and they were remarking about how it feels like the keyboard, like stuff that I have has grown. And I'm not actually buying anything more. It's stuff that I bought in 2020 and 2021 that is all arriving, and it's arriving at an amount <laughs> which is kind of like unbelievable. Like I need to start getting rid of some of this stuff because also like over the last three years, my tastes have changed and all that kind of stuff. So I'm, it's actually a thing that I'm thinking about like, oh, how can I do this in a way that is easy to deal with? Um, But so that that was kind of where my hobby money had gone. But now I'm, I'm like, I've called that down significantly. I think the bigger issue for me is that even before then, I wasn't buying a lot of stuff online. Mm-hmm. I was buying more stuff at pen shows. That's exactly what I was going to say. About and I've you. not been to a pen show since 2019. So yep. that has been a significant factor in the fewer purchases that I've made where now like I'll buy some Canlea pens because uh, I know the quality. I'll buy the occasional platinum. Um, I stopped buying sailors. I buy like, you know, I bought a couple of tactile turns. I've bought some Mark ones. Like, basically, new, more. I'm, I'm. I've bought more new models of pens that I know, rather than mm-hmm. things that I want to try out new, because the things that I like to add to my collection, especially in fountain pens, are now just like the more expensive stuff. Things that are doing something new or different, because I have got such a great collection that I'm content with it. So when I mm-hmm. add to it, I feel like it needs to be a substantial thing for some reason or another. And I'm less comfortable with making a lot of those purchases online because I want to be able to try them myself now uh, if I'm going to be stretching my wings and trying something new. So, yeah, I don't know. It, it, this is just something that like I have not, <laughs> I have not felt the pull so much recently because I just don't feel like I have the same exposure that I used to. Yeah, it's a refinement phase, that. right? Yeah. yeah, it's a refinement phase. I, like, I'm in it too. Like, I, I came home from the Orlando Pen Show with like one new pen for me. Like, I bought two pens, but one is for me, like to go into my collection and something I'm going to use for a while, where normally, or, or a lot of times, that might be like five pens, right? Like, I'll, but I was just at the DC Pen Show, right? And I'll always have like access to a lot of things. So I'm trying to work on like my personal refinement of, hey, what are the pens that are most important? to me and like we spoke on that last episode like i just think my, my kasama which i've owned for a couple years i've just think up my aboya which i've owned for five years right as opposed to like always inking up like the brand new pen all the time right something that i'm acquiring it's cool to like look at your own personal collection and realize why you bought some of this stuff in the first place and uh and get them back in use so yeah i i definitely think there's some refinement going on um just a different scale with me than you for sure but I, I do. I'm glad you mentioned the comment about the pen shows yeah. because I was going to bring that up for sure about you. Yeah, it's obviously the difference between me and you is like you're just getting sun stuff all the time, you know. Yep. Which I yep. don't have. That. I have. I have ton. I have infinite yeah. access. Honestly, like I can get like whatever I want when I want it. So I will say I don't want like, that. But like, I try to. Like, like, I know I said, but like yeah, I also yeah, don't yeah. want it because it's not this. That's not my job. Like for this show, my job is right. here to facilitate our conversation. Like to be here for mm-hmm. you and mm-hmm. we can talk and you can talk to me and we can bounce things off each other like 
and and I feel like I have like a base knowledge now, which gets me through everything. But just like I am not in the acquisition phase of the hobby at the moment. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Good question. Uh, Jacob mm-hmm. writes in and says, for the Japanese for Japanese gel pens, is there any difference between the capped gel pen and retractable gel pen? For example, the Signo DX and the Signo Two Hundred Seven. They use different refills shape and dimension but is the ink any different is the writing experience any different why not just use the exact same refill for the captain retractable gel pen such a good question i love this so much and like jacob i'm not going to be able to give you like i just want to lead with this like i'm not going to be able to give you an absolute definitive answer but I can tell you what I believe and and I can tell you some factually correct statements that some of these gel ink pens refills are different. Even like, let's take the Signo 207. There's Signo 207, Signo 207 Plus. There was Signo 307. And there might even be one more I'm forgetting about. Just in the 207 lineup, guess what? Every one of those is a different ink formulation. So it, you you have to figure out and look at some of the marketing uh, of some of these pens because like just in that one lineup alone there's three different ink formulations at least right so the signo dx rewinding back to that one which is the pen that i praise so much um it doesn't have some of the more modern signo 207 ink properties but it does have the same standard base level 207 ink properties um the one question i've always had and this is related to your overall question is there a difference between the signo dx and the signo rt and rt1 and i don't think there's any ink difference but i think the tip manufacturing is different right i think the way it applies the line to the page in the same 0.38 millimeter tip it feels different to me now that just might be a me thing and if i go to uniball and ask them i would bank on them telling me it's the same manufactured tip between the two pens but i personally think they're different that was always one of my big hangups on why i like the dx so much even though the rt and rt1 is the should theoretically be the exact same refill in a retractable pen I always found the line to be different, which is why I always preferred the DX. So I don't know if I'm totally answering your question. I don't think I can answer your question perfectly, but with Uniball, they have many different ink formulas, many that they use in the same lineup. So you do have to pay attention. I do think, and this is just my opinion, I did not ask them or get clarification on this, their base gel ink pens, and by that I mean the DX, the RT1s, and the base 207 is the same ink. But there's variances outside of those three definitive models. And I think there might even be some uh, some tip manufacturing variants between like the DX and the RT1 like I was speaking about. But... Since the 207 is the popular shelf brand, um, that's the one they experiment with the most with uh, nanoparticles and pigmented inks and saturated inks. And then they've morphed that into the Uniball 1 line, which just adds in more confusion. So out of all these lines, I think the Signo 207 product lineup is the most confusing for consumers with at least three different uh, ink formulations 
that uh, you may not notice when you're buying them. So I think this is a good question. I'm sorry I can't give you like a complete like exact chart of clear black and white facts on this, but um, that's that's my take on those specific inks. This episode is brought to you by Pen Chalet. Pen Chalet have the greatest product selection around. You can buy products from your favorite brands, whether you want something from Pilot, Sailor, Caveco, Platinum, Monteverde, many more. The list goes on and on and on. Like if you go to the Penchalet website and you hit the brands link, there's always stuff that's being added new there and the list is just huge. They have rollables and fountain pens, ballpoints, mechanical pencils, inks. They have carrying cases, pen holders, refills, so much more so you can get the pens that you want and the accessories that keep them running. They're always adding new styles of pens every month and they have uh, discounts every couple of weeks. Pen Chalet believe in fast and reliable customer service and they want to give pen addict listeners great deals. Pen Chalet have low prices and high quality pens. They offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee, free shipping on orders of over $75 in the US and reasonable shipping rates for international customers. Go to penchalet.com, that's P-E-N-C-H-A-L-E-T.com and click the podcast link at the top of the website. Enter the password PENADDICT where you will get your eyes on this week's special offer and to get the code that you need to save 10% on anything over at Pen Chalet. What have you found, Brad? There is some new stuff in there. I spoke to Ron and he added some new deets. So... While I, I'm, I'm going to do a big tease, Mike. All I'm right. not going to tell you what's Uh-oh. on there, but Uh-oh. I'm going to tell you an anecdote. I'm going to tell you an anecdote okay. from the Orlando Pen Show that I had someone come up to me and say, "Brad, right. thank you for telling me what was on that Pen Chalet sale page because I was able to go get one of those Pelican nibs that you mentioned was such a huge outlier on there at a great price on Pen Chalet, and I wouldn't have known it was there unless you scrolled all the way to the bottom of this page. So you got to go to this page yourself and find out all the magic that's on it because, you know, I can tell you all the secrets that are on here, and I usually do. And uh, in that case, I got some feedback. It's like, hey, thanks for sharing those secrets with us. So y'all got to dig through this page. Well, There's some, some stuff. cool stuff here. So yeah, so go check it out. That's, that's the best selling point I can give you is that I, that's the feedback I got just uh, last week at the Orlando Pen Show it's, uh, thanking me for uh, sussing out some of the great deals on this page and thanks to Ron for putting it together that's P-E-N-C-H-A-L-E-T dot com hit the podcast link at the top of the website use the password Pen Addict for this week's special offer and to get the code that you need to save 10% on anything at any time at Pen Chalet our thanks to Pen Chalet for their continued support of this show on Relay FM. All right, our next question comes from Joe, and Joe says, My favorite gel pens are the Zebra Sarasa Clip 1mm and the Pilot G2 1mm, mostly used for writing addresses on postcards. I've been trying and failing to find a multi-pen that accommodates these refills. I feel like I must be missing something obvious, so I thought I'd drop you guys a note in the hopes that I have just been oblivious. If there's something that fits those refills specifically, any recommendation for a similar broad, preferably gel multi-pen would be appreciated if there's nothing that fits them specifically. Yeah, so Joe is completely missing something obvious. Whoa. And it is... It, sorry, Joe, but it's... Get ready to have your mind blown, Joe. No, no, no. No, 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 Joe. <laughs> it's a technical problem. Mm-mm. You can't fit wide tips in a multi-pen. Yeah, I thought you were going to say that. 
it is a technical problem. So you there are no multi-pins over like 0.7 millimeters and a lot of the 0.7 millimeters aren't even gel their ballpoint because they can narrow those tips even further the gel link pins like when you get into the 1.0s and even the 0.7s you need a wide tip to get a good flow for the ink and then the problem is you're laying so much ink on the page even if you could fit like two or three 1.0 millimeter gel ink refills in there you're going to run out of those inks in like a day because the capacity is going to have to be so small to fit in the barrel so joe you can't have it <laughs> you don't get nice things joe but no it's it's a technical problem right like the 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 key for multi-pin refills is they have to be narrow enough to fit um, throughout um, the the opening in the barrel. And when you get those wide tips, even for like a two-pin or, or two-refill multi-pin, which theoretically should be possible, you're going to have such a poor refill size that you're going to end up having a bad experience because you're going to use the ink so quickly. So mm. yeah, it's, just, it's, it's a technical problem. And um, that, that's just... I'm sorry, that's not the answer that you wanted, but um, that's that's all you're going to get. Peter asks, as pen enthusiasts, we all love being in the ho- in the sweet spot with the right pen, the right ink, the right paper for the job. But what do you do when you have to write on non-friendly paper like a birthday card or something like signing a credit card? You find a ballpoint pen you love. Yeah, me and too. And they're out there. Mm-hmm. I'm a massive ballpoint pen fan. I'm the biggest ballpoint pen, pen fan I know. I love ballpoint pens. I love your basic Bix all the way up to your fancy jet streams. You basic Any type Bic. of <laughs> You basic Bic. <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> so, yeah, like, but you, you can find, like, if it's, like, something you want to use continuously and just have one of and make sure you have one nice one. Um, find a ballpoint pen you like. Again, I prefer Jetstreams, but they that is the option and you have to be open to, <laughs> I hate to say this because I don't believe in it, lowering yourself, right, to, you know, from your... Your your Mont Blanc one forty nine, you know you're gonna have to get you're gonna have to bust out the basic bic sometimes mm-hmm. and find you a good one, find you a good one. So uh, they're out there. You have to embrace the ballpoint, Peter, and I, I just think that's that's what you're gonna have to do. Sometimes you can make a rollable work, but you got to be really gentle with it. And I would say for birthday cards, yeah, I, I try and write with nice pens and birthday cards. I I use it as a way to show that I care about a person. I also use uh, Sharpie Ultra Fines when I need that. Mm, that's a good one. That's yeah. a good tip. Just that's that's a like a ballpoint pen and a Sharpie Ultra Fine pen are two good pens to just have laying around the house. Anonymous, even an anonymous person or the anonymous organization <laughs> wrote in oh, to no. ask: Is it possible to buy refills for the Jelly Roll 06 Classic that I could use in another pen body? I only recently discovered the Jelly Roll, I'm way too old to have used it in school, and find its writing qualities to be exactly what I like, but the plain tube body isn't. I've looked around about success. I believe they're proprietary. I'm, I'm trying to double check while we go through here. But um, Secura refills in general are proprietary. I'm just trying to see if I can come up with something I don't, I can't offhand. Imagine you could take this out very easily yeah yeah they they yeah these are essentially built into the pen 
and the way the tip design is, it's integrated with like a like a nose cone on the refill. Like I don't think it slots through. So actually, I don't even think they're refillable with their own refills. I think they're just standard sticks. And like you could probably like have some kind of hardcore hacking to get this get this done. But I don't think um, these are really compatible with anything. So. Um, I'll double check, and if I if anyone has any feedback on this, uh, definitely email me hello at pinatic.com. But I don't think these are swappable with anything, Doesn't even themselves. Like Doesn't look like it. Yeah. So I know that's not the answer you wanted, but no. But it's sometimes you just get what you get, you know. Yep. Yep. Martin writes in and asks for my birthday. I got an ARC hole punch. What's ARC? Do you know? Uh, Arc is a brand, so oh, I believe it's, Arc, it's Staples. Like the, oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. Oh, the Staples ones, yes, because I yeah, know, yeah. like, is it Levin- Levenger? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, I knew, I, I knew the beginning and the end of that word, but I wasn't <laughs> mm-hmm, sure what was mm-hmm. in the middle. Uh, I got an Arc hole punch, says Martin, and matching discs, and I've learned that disc-bound notebooks are definitely my thing. I've only used regular printer paper, though, and I'm looking for an upgrade. What are some good options for fountain pen-friendly paper, preferably loose sheets, when price and quantity are my top priority? Quality needs to be decent, but not necessarily to the standard of Tomoe River paper. I feel like I know the answer. What? Life. No. Ah. No, we want loose leaf. We want loose sheets. Okay. So, uh, Kakuyo makes a basically like the 500 packs of printer paper, and they are very high quality. I use them for my own hole punches. Uh, they work great with fountain pens. Like this is kind of the go-to for a lot of people. They come in a lot of different default sizes. So like if you have an A4, A5 arc system, you can just buy it. Go ahead and buy like the properly sized paper. I don't know if Staples arc system uses stand- international standards. So you might have to trim the edges or something like that. But this this is like the best bulk paper you can buy for being a uh, fountain pen friendly um, it, I, I literally have some sitting on my desk right here. It's it's really really good quality. So like I wouldn't even send you anywhere else. Like the HP thirty two pound laser jet like gets a lot of recommendations, but I prefer this Kakuyo. It's it's great. I didn't know about this at all. I don't think yep. you've ever brought this up before. Yep, yep. I I bought uh the did I buy an A five? Like I bought an A five pack of it. I believe. I think it comes in A five. Does it? Yeah, A5. I bought an A5 pack, and then I can, um, and I have a hole punch, and I can put it, like, right in my William Hanna. And it's a stark white page, too, right? Like, it's not cream or ivory colored, and it works exceptionally well with fountain pens. Like, what happened was someone brought bought this and brought it to a pen show, like, DC, like, years and years and years ago, and was handing out sheets, and it was, like, fantastic. And it's, like, so cheap, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's really, really dirt, dirt cheap for, for what it is. So that's Super exactly cool. what you want, Martin. I, w- I would not search any further than that, to be perfectly honest. Hmm. Job done. Mm-hmm. All right. This question, next question comes from... Oh, no, I've lost the page. I've lost my note <laughs> page. Here we go. I got it again. This next question comes... I was, I was looking at this Kukoyu stuff. Uh, <laughs> Brittany writes in and says, I'm looking for a fountain pen that handles shimmer inks well. I know they require more care and attention than standard inks, but I plan on using them for occasional letter writing with a thorough cleaning after. 
Uh, I've considered a dip pen, but they don't seem very consistent, which is something I would like to work on in my handwriting. I'm looking for something under $100, but I'm open to any and all suggestions. Maybe the easiest question I've gotten today, Mike. Love it. I think it's the Twisby Eco or 580. Like Either of the mm-hmm. Twisbys are really popular for shimmer uh, ink because one, let's be honest, it looks cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's really cool looking. But more importantly, they're easy to disassemble to clean, right? They're super, super easy to clean. You can get the feet, you can, the, the nib unit is just unscrewed. You can take the nibs off the feeds. You can soak everything, clean everything. You can rinse out the barrel very, very easily. And as a bonus, those come with stub nib options. So you may not want that. You might just want a medium uh, or, you know, a broad or extra fine, a standard nib, but they both come in uh, stub nib options, which are great for letter writing, especially when you want the shimmer to go down on the page and get a lot of ink on the page. So they just kind of check all the boxes for what I'm looking for when the shimmer ink. And it's honestly my Twisby 580. I have a Prussian blue 580 with a 1.5 stub nib. And that is where my shimmer inks go nine times out of 10. Like it's just kind of the perfect, perfect setup for using shimmering. I want to make a s- slight amendment to your suggestion here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. be go. It's cheaper. Maybe. Yeah. It's cheaper, right? So it's 20 bucks. So yeah. if you do eventually. Also stub nib. Forget to I clean believe. it, right? You, mm-hmm. you, you, it's only, you're only at $20. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to be. Uh, filling and emptying it frequently. Spring, baby. Yeah, that just yeah, that might be a good might be a good option. I have not personally tested that, but I I would uh, I would agree with you there. And a clarification in the chat: the Eco nib does not unscrew, but it's a friction fit, so you can just pull it out, which might even be easier than the five eighty nib, to be honest. Which does mm-hmm. unscrew as a unit, and then you have to pull the nib out from the unit. The Eco is just friction fit; it just slides right out. Nib and feed might be even easier to clean. So, yeah, those those are my go tos. And Harmony asks: I experienced something fascinating and new to me: nib crud. I filled my new Sailor 1911S fried egg jellyfish. What is that, Brad? <laughs> yeah. What is that? Sailor I don't know, but I'm ready for lunch 1911 now. 1911 fried egg jellyfish. Let's go. What is that? <laughs> okay, I see. It's like a kind of ambery colored. Okay. Pen. Well, they said they haven't put in a matching dark orange ink. Yeah, it's got a kind of amber color to it. Oh, it's got mm-hmm. some like. Uh, oh, sweet! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, some like. Oh, I know. This was a series, so they did five of these, I believe. Okay. Yeah, purple. There you go. Yeah, like there's like a purple, a magenta, a blue. Yeah. Okay, I remember these. Yes. Oh, they were the jellyfish pens, and they had fresh yep. water, fried egg. It's like different. <laughs> okay. We they're under moratorium, I think. <laughs> sure. Uh, <laughs> That's so, why we missed them. Coming back to to the question, question. Um, I've filled it with a matching dark orange ink, Monteverde's Joy. Accidentally Mm -hmm. left it uncapped for a minute. Looked, I would say you don't need to worry about leaving your pen uncapped for a minute, right? Like I don't say it's an accident. You just left your pen uncapped for a minute. It's okay, Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think anyway. But how many says I looked down and I saw gross dry ink bubbles literally oozing (laughs) out of every crevice on the top of the nib. Gross, gross description. Especially like well, I mean, considering this it, is a fried egg jellyfish and we've got right. like 
oozing crevices. Disgusting. Mm-hmm. Uh, honestly terrifying, says Harmony. I read the orange. I read that orange inks in particular are prone to this. This is very interesting. Have you experienced it or heard of it? Harmony, welcome. <laughs> this is Orange Ink Town. You love orange. Yes. This is the price you pay. Yeah, this is the price you pay. So, uh, just for people who are not familiar with this, um, the dyes in orange, red, and yellow inks, obviously, are very related, um, tend to have this phenomenon called nib crud. Not every ink does it. Um, I've really never, as much as I use Fire on Fire, shout out me, my Robert Oster fought on Fire Fire on Fire, I don't get nib crud. Never had um, it in that one, though. But my Mont uh, my Mont Blanc Lucky Orange Mont is Blanc like Lucky instant, Orange. My Insta crud. <laughs> that they ink, should just call that ink oh Insta crud. The the <laughs> luck is if your pen does not get full of like just just like crust. Yeah, it's, but it's a fantastic orange. But yeah, it's it a is great a instant. orange. It happens instant. So, so the thing to know here is you're not going it does not damage your pen. Okay. No. So let's let's just be clear on that. It's just kind of an effect of the atmosphere you're in combined with the dyes of the ink lead to this nib just kind of oozing some places. A lot of times like on top of the nib or you'll see it in your feed it looks like a growth like oh this is terrible. You know, but it's actually, it, you can just, you can continue to use your pen. You can rinse it off. It's just bothersome in appearance. Um, it's not really going to cause any damage, but it is legitimately a thing you're going to experience. Um, Diamine's Ancient Copper, I believe, is another popular ink that has like the bad crud problem. So that and Lucky Orange, I think, are the two that I always get uh, emails about. And that's still in that orange red uh, yellow category. There's something about that dye. And the way it works um, with, you know, the the air, right? And it tends to do that. And, yeah, it, it kind of stinks. Like, I it's don't like it either, Harmony. Bit, right? Yeah. Happening. yeah. Like, I don't like it either. I, I tend not to reach for Lucky Orange because I know I'm just going to be bothered by it. But just it doesn't damage anything. Um, and that's just, unfortunately, like one of the fortunate side effects of some of these inks. So... There's there's no way to mitigate it really. If you have one that cruds, it's going to crud, and if you have one that doesn't, it's not going to. Like I know if I'm going to use Mont Blanc Lucky Orange, one day I'm going to uncap it, and it's going to be all on top of the nib, right? So you just don't use it or try to find something else. But there are a few famous inks that are known for this, and they're all going to be like in the red, orange, yellow category. So apologies, Harmony. That uh, that is part of the deal with some of these inks and you might just want to switch inks if it's going to uh, bother you which it honestly it would bother me too thank you so much to everybody that sent in an STPA question as expected we did not get to the end of this list but if you want to get your question onto the list to be answered in the future please go to penaddictfeedback.com and you can send your question in there go to penaddict.com which is where you can find Brad's work spokedesign.com is where you can find his products he is penaddict on social media and over at twitch.tv slash penaddict where Brad streams three times a week you can find me at imike i-m-y-k-e this show is a part of Relay FM, where I host many shows myself, and you can find my work at cortexbrand.com. But the most important thing, go to stjude.org slash relay, and please join us for the fifth 
podcast-a-thon for St. Jude on September 22nd from 12 to 12 U.S. Eastern Time over at twitch.tv slash RelayFM. We will love to see you there. Thank you to Penn Chalet for the support of this episode. Thank you for listening. Until next time, say goodbye, Brad. Goodbye, Brad. <laughs>